Lock and Key on Netflix is good. It's not bad. It was an entertaining show, and I enjoyed watching it. It does have a few problems, though. I found it to be a little bit empty in that we don't really get much character development, and what little that we get is only in service of the plot, so I don't feel like I know the characters all that much. And that's a problem. I understand why we didn't get a lot of world building, because the characters don't know how the keys came about, and they don't find anything that gives them a clue to that, even though they had at least one person they probably could have asked, but they don't in the season. And uh, we'll talk about that. And it has one big problem that I can't talk about without getting into spoilers. But I really do want to talk about Lock and Key today on this episode of Project Shadow. Hello everyone, how are you doing today? My name's Charlie. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer and apparently romance writer C.E. Dorset. And today I want to talk about Lock and Key on Netflix and uh, some of the issues that I had with it. All in all, it was a good show. And I think I need to say that over and over again, because I did enjoy it. I'm looking forward to the next season if it gets one. But before we get into it, if you haven't already, please take a moment to rate this podcast in whatever app you're listening to me on. It does help out a lot. It tells the algorithms to share the podcast with more people. The more people that listen, the bigger the community, the bigger the community, the better the chance we have of actually communicating with each other. And that is, after all, why I do this podcast in the first place. All right, let's get into it. First and foremost, I have to state I have not read the original comics and graphic novel that this was based on, so I cannot speak to how well it relates to the source material. And in a sad way, after having watched season one, I, I feel less inclined to do so. I don't know if I'll eventually get around to it. If you really liked it, let me know, and maybe I'll give it a look. But right now, I've got a lot of stuff that I want to read and watch and write, so I don't think it's going to make my list. But... For the most part, I enjoyed this show. I like the actors. I like the cast. I like the cast a lot. Jackson Robert Scott, that they got to play Bodie Locke, is a one of those miraculous child actors who managed to be chipper and childlike without being annoying, and that is rare and hard to find, and good on them for finding him. I enjoyed his character. I enjoyed the actor a lot. Other actors that I knew from other things, like Darby Stanchfield, who I... Loved in Scandal. She gets to play Nina, and I, I liked her. I, I kind of want her to finally, at some point, get to play a character who doesn't have such a tragic backstory, but she she plays it well, so I'm, I'm not going to be hateful. Connor Jessup, who plays Tyler Locke, I loved him on um, Falling Skies, and he's essentially playing a similar character here, except for without the superpowers, at least so far. We'll see if that stays true. The actors were fine. I think the actors did the best they could with the material that they were given, and that, to me, is the biggest problem with this show. 
It is a very plot heavy series, which I can recognize really well because this used to be a big flaw in my writing that I wrote very plot heavy stuff that didn't take time to do characterization and all that. So I learned to spot it. And maybe that made me more sensitive to it than I should be, but it made me really sensitive to it. And I noticed it and I didn't like how we didn't really get to know the characters with a few exceptions. I mean, Kinsey, we kind of get to know a little bit and she's fine. Like there are going to be ramifications for her taking, well, that's a spoiler for some of the stuff that she does. And yeah, Aaron Ashworth's Duncan Locke, I think has a much more interesting character arc that is unresolved so far in season one. And yeah, that's kind of how I felt about the entire series is it felt unresolved. We, we, it, it is very definitely a setup season. This is how our heroes get involved and who our villains are. Beyond that, we get to see some of the things that the keys can do. We get to see how they relate to various things in Key House. But beyond that, it just didn't click and resonate with me in the way that I wanted it to. And that is very sad. Because I feel like this show has a lot of potential. It could really be something if it was allowed to be something. But it was so focused on being dark and brooding and sinister that it, it forgot really to let the kids have fun. And the reason I have a problem with that is that like the few scenes that that should have been the case in were used in other ways. And so the show never had the breaks that it needs for you to feel the tension. You need to have moments of release. And then those shock points that bring the tension back. And I just didn't feel that in this show. Like from the very beginning with well lady, it, there, there was tension. We understood what the tension was. And it persisted throughout the series. It, 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 yeah, it just, it didn't. The best episode of the entire series was the one with Sam Lesser in it. And that's all I'm going to say before we get into spoilers. I hope they do more. And I hope that they get into the characters. Because for much as, as rested as, 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 much as I'm pulling back and not talking about it and not gushing over the series, I did enjoy it. I had a lot of fun with it. I would like it to just develop and grow more and not to be what I fear that it will be. But before I can talk about that, we have to go into spoilers. So if you have not seen the first season, and I mean the first season because the thing that I have the biggest problem with this show about happens towards the end of the series. And um, I, it's very upsetting to me. And I don't know if it should be or not. So I, there will be major spoilers for this series. So if you haven't seen Lock and Key and you don't want any spoilers, go watch it, come back, and we'll talk. Spoilers are incoming in five, four, three, two, one. All right. Now, I, I can't continue talking about this series without 
addressing the biggest problem that I have with it because it was, I hate to use this term because so many people misunderstand what it means, but it was a triggering event. And that was the revelation that Dodge was Lucas. Dodge was Lucas. And the reason that bothers me so much is because there's so little trans representation in anything. There really isn't a lot of it. And the idea that, the, one, you've made your trans character a pedophile because she has sex with a 16-year-old in this, and we know that she's like in her 30s or 40s. Yeah, that that's not good. That that's problematic. And of course, she's a heartless killer who is part of the problem, not the solution. And I I get it. What they're probably trying to say is that Dodge is actually the spirit that possessed Lucas and when the echo was made, it was able to come back and possess it and that's actually what come came back. It wasn't Lucas himself, even though the two faces that Lucas uses in course of the series are male, because of course they were, and the sinister killer one is female, because yeah, of course, of course. And that really, it, it is problematic whether or not you know you think it should be problematic or not. Now, Griffin Gluck plays Gabe, which is one of the faces of Dodge, as we learn at the in the final moments of the series, who, in con- continuing this horrible pedophile plotline, is going for a relationship with an, another underage person. And... This is where the show really just... mm, This is not cool. This is problematic in a way that I can barely put words into. Now, I know what they're probably going to try to say in that this isn't really Lucas, this is the demon. So it's this ancient thing that's trying to have a sexual relationship with two underage minors. That doesn't make it better. And it doesn't make better that this character is apparently it's hard to say that the character is not trans in some way at least in the minds of a lot of the viewers when the character swaps gender between male and female you see i don't have a problem with saying that dodge isn't trans because that is a that is a very specific thing that i <laughs> know a lot about because it's something that I am myself. But yeah, a lot of people are going to see this and see somebody who is at the least gender fluid because they're able to go back and forth between being male and female without feeling anything. (sighs) This is a stereotype that is so problematic and so harmful. And it just gets thrown into the show as if nothing's going on, and the fact that you're also having this character have relationships with underage minors, I I really, I, I just can't deal. I can't cope. This is not 
This is not good. This is not good. And it's almost the thing that makes me not want to watch the show anymore. And it's might be the thing that keeps me from going on to a season two, if they do a season two, because it really has put a chill on the show for me. Because, okay, yeah, it's a, it's a neat twist that, oh, Dodge is Lucas and Lucas is Dodge. Ooh, see, you couldn't have guessed it because the gender swap thing. Like, I see the mindset going in there. And because the character is not coded trans in that they are somebody who was born male and feels that they should be female, that they are female or born female and feels that they are male. They're not coded that way. They're not specifically quoted as gender fluid or non-binary. So yeah. Okay. Kudos to that. You're not making Buffalo freaking bill. But at the same time, you are creating a character that a lot of people in the audience who don't understand the nuances between being somebody who, I don't know, is a transvestite? Wait, I mean, what is the term that I'm supposed to use here? Because you have a character that is swapping gender in front of us and is obviously having sex with men, is at least pursuing a relationship with an underage minor of that is female so that wh whether or not you conceive the character of, of the whether or not the people who created the series conceive of the character as trans the character is portrayed as bisexual which at the same time still makes them a queer character and still makes them an, on the lgbtq spectrum and with the horrible state of bi-erasure that exists in media, including the only out bi character in your show as this psychotic killer who just kind of wants the sex for entertainment and then kills the person that they have sex with. That's still not cool, man. <laughs> That's not. And this is from a, I don't know what we're supposed to call them, network, streaming service, whatever. That has done this fairly well. Sex Education is exploring a bi character, a couple different bi characters, and have explained the difference between bi and pansexual. But I, I'm just, I'm sorry, I'm beyond the point where I'm okay with the only out queer character in your series being the psychotic murderer. I'm, I'm not okay with that anymore. And yeah, it, it would be a little bit better if you had representation in any of the other characters in the show. And I'm sure somebody is going to point out that in the comics, so-and-so is queer. Or, you know, if you actually pay attention in the background, you'll see that this character is queer or something. But the, having watched the show and being one of those people who's always looking for the queer characters and looking for the queer coded characters, this is the only real one that stands out in the show. And this isn't the kind of show, at least this season of the show that I'm likely to watch repeatedly to look for subtlety in the background. And it's kind of a big thing for me <laughs> and I don't hear anybody talking about it. And I loathe to talk about it because it is a spoiler. It is a major spoiler for the show. And I don't want to be, I I'm torn here between being that person 
who spoils media for people that haven't seen it, who don't want spoilers, and being that person who speaks out about what appears to be bad queer representation. And I I may be overly sensitive about this, but you're playing into stereotypes here. Cold, heartless, psychopathic, trans and or bi, or gender fluid or whatever, character who is pursuing relationships with underage minors, that is a bad stereotype and a bad look on your show, Netflix. And I don't feel like I'm reading too much into this. I don't feel like I'm reading too much into the portrayal of the character in the show, because whether or not they were intended, like I said, to be coded as trans or gender fluid or whatever, they are definitely being coded as bisexual, and that still makes them a queer character who is pursuing relationships with underage minors. And while that does happen, it is a harmful stereotype, especially when it is the only form of representation in your series. And I can't repeat it over and over again, because I have. But it's one of the biggest problems that this series has, and it goes to kind of the thoughtlessness that led to a lot of the other problems that the show does have. It was fun. It had some really good imagery in it. The acting was for the most part, really good. But this one revelation, which happens fairly late in the series, completely took me out of the show, and I found it really hard to impossible to get back into it. And, I don't know, maybe I'm just being overly sensitive. Maybe. I know I'm going to be accused of being overly sensitive about it, but it's something that you have to watch out for when you're doing things, because it's not something you have to think about when you're writing heterosexual characters, because that is the default in most media. So you don't have to sit back and go, well, we've included a pedophilic serial killer as our villain, but they're heterosexual just like everybody else is heterosexual. So you don't have to think about what that says about straight people in your media. But again, when you don't have any other queer-coded characters in the show, because every other character seems to have some relationship to a person of the opposite gender that appears to be romantic in some way, it's upsetting. It is upsetting, and that's not what I wanted from this show. I wanted this to be one of those nice spooky shows that I could get into and really like and really enjoy. And this just took me completely out of the show. Completely out. And the revelation at the end, just, it didn't do anything for me. Okay, so Cabe, Gabe is secretly Lucas and or Dodge, whoever that the Echo really is. Okay, well that recontextualizes all the early stuff, which to make sure that you get that recontextualized, we get a montage of all the earlier scenes. And, okay, now there's a second one of the demon things out, but you, you've you've squandered your the good faith argument that I had in you. So I, I just don't know what I'm going to do going forward if this gets a second season. 
It might not. I haven't seen a lot of people even talking about this show, so I don't know how many people have actually watched it, and Netflix doesn't give out statistics like that, so I just don't know. But yeah, that's my problem with Lock and Key, and it's a big one. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did and you haven't already, please do take a moment to rate it in whatever app you're listening to me on. It does help out a lot. If you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like to hear discussed on the show, in the show notes you'll find a link to the voice message system. Keep it short, keep it clean so I can use it on the show. I would love to hear from you. You can also hit me up on I'm C, on Twitter and Instagram. I'm C.E. Dorset on both platforms. And you can find links to everything that I do over at projectshadow.com. If you've got a dollar, you can pass my way. Down in the show notes, you'll find a link to the voice to the yes to the voice message system, but also to listener support and my Patreon. Thank you to everybody who does that. It means the world to me. You help me keep my bills paid and my lights on, and I like doing both of those things. So thank you so very very much. If you don't have any money right now, or you don't feel like giving, that's perfectly all right. But if you know somebody you think would like anything that I do, do share it with them. That helps out more than you could possibly know. Alrighty. So I'm thinking about doing more stuff about music again. I've tried this several times on the show and with mixed results. So if you have any ideas how you want that to happen, especially because I'm not allowed to play music anymore on the show because of contracts that I've signed, let me know what you think. Because I really would like to bring that topic back. Anyway, until next time, don't forget to have the fun. Bye.